Good morning, everybody. How is all? Is, uh, hopefully we're doing good, doing okay. Yeah? Good, good, good. Yes. <laughs> so, um, as you guys know, we have been going over the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and that's where we're at today, is in the book of 2 Peter, if you would like to start opening uh, your Bibles to that. Uh, we're going to be going over some um, uh, some pretty tough stuff today, um, and and uh, hopefully reveal um, Christ in this, though, through these uh, these tough times, uh, th- this, this tough passage. Um, so again, it's 2 Peter um, chapter 2, and we're going to be focusing more, um, more or less on 11 through 22. Um, if you would, join me in prayer. Um, uh, this morning, um, pray that the, the Holy Spirit would, would work and um, just some calmness to, to come over me as, as I get anxious up here. Uh, um, Father, uh, so thankful, Lord, that, that you, uh, you give us your word, that you, you call us to share the word. Um, in, in this form this morning, to the, the forms that we go out throughout our day at work, through, um, uh, through family get-togethers, whatever it might be, Father. Um, I, I pray that um, this, this word that we hear this morning is um, life transforming, that um, we're always growing closer and closer um, in, in, in your ways, Father, that um, more of us, um, our ugliness dies, and, and um, you grow in us more each and every day, Father. Um, thank you for this time. I thank you for um, just bringing us together to uh, the, the doors being open, Lord. And, and in that doors being open, Father, I, I pray for this, um, this, this pandemic that's going on, that, um, that we would grow closer to you in this. We'd grow, grow closer as, as a family as well, and that, that you would heal and help those that, that may be struggling with this or fighting with it, um, just to bring us closer to you through this uh, troubled times, Father. Uh, we thank you, and, and we love you. Amen. So, Second uh, Peter. Um, Chris has been going through Second Peter um, on chapter 2 anyways, for the last uh, couple weeks, um, he, um, I think he broke it up one through four and then um, six through ten on, on chapter two. And um, I went through and I, and I listened to those again and, and grasped a little bit of, of that message again. And I got out of the first message that Chris uh, shared with us was um, a warning, um, just like, hey, this is what to kind of be looking out for. Um, keep your guard up like he, he gave us the analogy of going into the workplace and there's all this equipment this machinery and you got these decals everywhere that just saying warning be careful and then the second message that uh, Chris shared with us is is maybe are like why are these people here um, why isn't God just going to get rid of them um, what's going on here and, and questioning God in, in some of the things that, that we fight with on, on some of this, um, this this false teaching that goes on and Chris mm-hmm. preached to us about um, being patient in the Lord um, having patience because um, ultimately he had patience with us. Um, Chris brought up the point that um, you know for 30 years he he uh, was astray. Um, uh, I, I think uh, probably a good 35 years of my life, um, the Lord had great patience with me, and so he calls us to be patient with others. To um, that God has this, and and uh, um, don't get to irate about it. That that God has this in His own due time, and so today. Uh, moving in, um, and, and we're in the same the same uh, chapter, which again is on false teachers. We're going to be looking at identifying some uh, like character traits of false teachers. 
we're going to go back to kind of what Chris uh, showed us in those warnings, and we're going to break down some of those, maybe those labels, and, and read those a little bit clearer. Um, and then at the end, um, we're, we're going to try to show, contrast that with, with the true gospel, with what um, uh, Christ says uh, about the gospel, and, and uh, go from there. So again, Second uh, Peter uh, chapter 2. Verses 11 through 22, I'd like to kick off there and read that with you guys. So we're starting right in the middle of something here, and, and it's basically going to be um, kind of describing um, the false teachers. So it's going to start off a little bit different, but again, it, it's, it's kind of describing um, false teachers, the, the things that are going on. So it says, uh, and I'm actually going to start in the middle of 10. It says, bold and arrogant, these men are not afraid to slander celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. But these men blasphemy in matters they do not understand. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like beasts, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, revealing in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed road. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These men are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of the righteous than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of the Proverbs are true, a dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. This is God's word. So we're just going to start breaking down some of the scripture today. Uh, going over some uh, some key things that that uh, the Lord revealed to me this week, and and again we're going to try to make uh, we're going to try to make a contrast here. We're going to show what Scripture is talking about here, how to um, identify um, these false teachers that that's causing um, uh, pain and destruction among Christ's body. And we're going to start first in in ten. It says, "Bold and arrogant, these men are." They're, and they're not afraid to slander celestial beings. So right off the bat, we've got bold and arrogant. I thought about that for a minute, and and in a contrast of that, bold and arrogant, it come to me as like these 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 type of teachers are not meek and humble. Um, they can't or they won't listen to others. Um, they they won't um, try try to walk with you through Scripture. It's their way or the highway. They've got this almost this this pride, this arrogance about them. That, that they don't even want to walk with you, and, and it's their word, and they won't even go to Scripture to try to talk to you about it. Um, that, that's a sign that you need to be careful. You need to watch out. Um, 
dive through God's word and ask them to dive through some of the things that, that you're maybe calling them out on, you're asking questions about. And if they're, they're arrogant about it, they don't want to go with you, that's a sign. That, that's something to say, man, there's something just not right. Um, y- you move on into um, 11 and 12, and it goes, um, and these men are not afraid to slander celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger or more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. But these men blasphemy in matters they do not understand. That one, uh, that one, um, I learned on this one. I didn't understand that text. I didn't understand that meaning. And it took uh, the, the section of going to the notes. And uh, if you have a minute, turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen. But it's Jude. Um, Chapter 1, there's only one chapter in there, and it's verses 8 through 10. And it talks more about this. So Jude, verses 8 through 10. Yet these men speak abusively against what they do not understand, or what things they do not understand by instinct. Like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. This is not what I was bringing where am I at? Why did it lose me here? Jude verses 8 through 10. Ah, sorry, you guys. I was ahead of myself there. It says, in the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies. They reject authority and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do not understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals, they are the very things that destroy them. So it got me walking through this passage of what Peter's trying to say here and what's going on. These false teachers, and and you know what, I think I've been been guilty of this, um, talk about matters that they know nothing about. Slander celestial beings. You know, I, I've said many a times that, um, in, in maybe not many a times, but I've said, you know, the, the, the devil's just out to destroy me. The devil's out to do this and, and, and do that. Um, kind of slander his name. And, and, and it got to, in, in this passage, like we don't know everything. We don't know everything that, that, that God has planned out for us. Um, and to sit there and say those things that we know nothing about, we should just be quiet. Um, it, it made me think of Paul and how many times Paul has had uh, trials and tribulations. Um, and, and in that, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 comes out, uh, verses 11 through 2011, chapter 11, verses 24 through 27. And we see what, what Paul went through during this, um, these struggles. I have it. There it is. So Paul here is talking about some of his suffering, some of the things that he had gone through. And, and so we read this, and, and let's read it first, and we'll come back to, um, to what I, I wanted to talk about on this. So if you go to chapter 11, verses 24 through 20, 27, he goes, Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. 
I have been in the danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I have hungered and thirst, and have gotten and have got and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. You look at all these things that that um, Paul is talking about, and you don't hear him say like Satan was out to get him. That, that these things are being um, uh, trying to mess up his his world. Like he's going through this and he's trying to show and, and you move on to twelve seven, and it goes, it's to keep me from being conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will all, the, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. We see that we don't understand everything that comes through. And, and to talk about celestial beings, to talk about um, Satan is trying to destroy me. Like, we just need to come and we say that in, in Peter, like, the, or in Jude, the Lord rebuke you. You go to the Lord. You talk to the Lord about these things. Um, we don't just assume things. We don't know what God has for us. Um, and, and, and through all things, we understand that God has us. Um, we don't know everything, but God has us. This we do know. Through all of the, the trials, the tribulations, God has this. Back to Second Peter. Um, he, he brings another thing. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like beasts, they too will perish. The word in there, creatures of instinct, grabbed a hold of me. And then all of a sudden I, gra I got this thought of like self-preservation. I thought of like when, when we think of um, like wolves or lions or, or things we see on the Discovery Channel and you see that, that um, they, they've, they've got a zebra or they've got whatever, they've, they've captured uh, whatever. And you see the fight that goes on among them. Um, you know, here's this animal that, that uh, is feeding them and uh, heaven forbid you get close to my food and I'm going to attack you, your own brother, your own uh, part of your clan. And it got into me that self-preservation that like all I care about is me, that creatures of instinct, like that, that's, they're just worried about themselves and, and this self-preservation. And, and that's another thing that you can see with, with false teaching is it, it's, it's more about them than it is anything else. Um, to, to preserve their way of life, be it um, the money side of things, their happiness. Like they, they really, once you sit down and walk with them long enough, you see more and more that it's just about them. It's not about Christ. It's not about really caring or loving. That, that creatures of instinct, that self-preservation. Moving on in 13, it says, they will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They walk among us. Um, they're so arrogant and boastful of their ways that, that there's no apologies. They walk among us. They walk with us. Um, they are blots and blemishes revealing in their pleasures while they feast with you. No apologies. They are streaming with almost a self-confidence that they can do no wrong. It's, it's a self-confidence. It's not a God confidence. 
it's not of what scripture is telling them about themselves and, and everything goes to God because we are so broken and so lost. They walk with self-confidence, not God confidence. There's a, there's a big difference with that if, if we're dealing with these people. Like, does all glory, does all thing go to God? That you understand where you're not, where you're at today walking if it wasn't for God. If you start put the emphasis again on you, I done this, I done that. That's, a, that's another sign of, of a false teacher. Like, be very leery. I'd say run. Fourteen, with eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They, they seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood, brood. They seduce the unstable. <laughs> they prey on the weak. They prey on people that are going through tough times and they see that they're weak. Um, we've, we've seen a lot in, in this country with some of the, the things you can see on TV, the prosperity gospel, the stuff that, you know, if you give, um, the Lord will bless, those type of things. And, and, they, and they prey on people that don't know any better. They prey on the weak. Um, y- again, you have to be with them. You have to think, what are their motives? If they're, if they're sharing anything but Christ crucified, they, they are false. They are wrong. It's something to, to keep your eyes open to. And as we go on through this, towards the end, we'll be showing more and more of the truth so you can understand what, what the true gospel is. Uh, 15, they go, they have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. This one I had to go backwards. I had to go look up this a little bit. I remember the story faintly as I've, as I've read through scripture a couple times, but I didn't, have, um, I didn't have it fresh. And basically what we got here is we've got a guy that profited off of the, the gifts. Like he, he, uh, he talked to the Lord. He could see things, but he used it for his personal gain. He used it for his own wealth. Um, and it says it right here in Peter. Um, he loved the wages of wickedness. He loved this gift that he had, but he used it for his advantage. Um, and, and it got to the point that he went to the Lord several times asking for something that the Lord had already told him no. He didn't understand almost like the, the depth of the Lord. He, he had this gift and he could talk and he could prophesy certain things. But at the ultimate, it was all about himself. And as they're, they're going, it was a donkey. It was a donkey that finally had to, to, to open his eyes. And, and the donkey spoke like you and I speak. Turned around and looked at him and says, what are you doing? Um, and, and so the message Peter's trying to get here is false teachers. They, they love the wages of wickedness. A false teacher loves, in some ways, the, the look at me, the, the attention, the fame, or money. Those things. They, they, again, it's all about them and this self-preservation. They really don't care about God and, and others. Here's Peter really trying to drive the point home in 17. These men are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. They offer relief of thirst without water. 
We've all been thirsty. We've all had that, that deep thirst. And here it is. False teachers, they offer this life. They offer this, this spring of water. And you get it and you taste it, and it, and it is nothing. At first it may taste like it wets the whistle. It's, it feels like it does anything. But like on a hot, hot day when you're, at least with me, the, the soda pop just don't quench the thirst. The coffee just don't quench the thirst. It's water. These men are like springs without water, offering you, offering you um, relief of thirst without water. The other, uh, the way scripture talks here, a mist driven by a storm. And, and I thought about this one a little bit. We've all seen that storm on the horizon. We know that our lawns are dry, the ground is baked, and we're like, ah, oh, man, th- there's, there's that water coming. Would really love it. But it only comes, and what usually happens in Carbon County, it seems like more times than not, is we get the wind, we get the, dirt, the, the, the little bit of mist that comes down and dirties everything, but we get nothing. We, we don't get much of the, the rain, the thing that we're desiring. And, and that is kind of what we're seeing here. These false teachers, they come, they, they, they promise water, they show all this stuff that, that maybe looks like water, but it isn't water. And, and we leave still thirsty. Um, it says here in scripture, blackest darkness is reserved for them. Uh, they mouth empty, boastful words and appealing to the lustful desires of sinful nature. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. We all have desires of the flesh. We all have the desire to be healthy. We all have the desire to, um, uh, to, to, to in some ways be like wealthy, not wealthy and stinking rich, but like to not have a worry about wanting for things, um, that we will be given things um, uh, like, like our health and, and, and our, our, uh, our freedom in, in purchasing and stuff to that nature. They fall on these type of things. These false teachers will use these to bring you in, saying if you want possibly to uh, be together with your family forever. Come in here. God can offer this. If you want to never be sick again, God can offer this. Come come on in. Um, these, these things that the flesh fight with, the things that, that we don't like, the, the type of pain, stuff like that, they bring those. And they bring these to people that are first coming to see, like Jesus of the Bible. Like they prey on these people. It's, it's just a horrible, horrible act. They promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. You're a slave to whatever has mastered. Again, we talked about fame. We talked about money. We talked about that things that you hold actually over anything else. We, we may not admit that, but we ask sometimes in our lives, what, what can cause destruction in our lives? What can cause us to have our lives totally flipped upside down? Some of that can be health. If, if, if our health is our utmost thing, like, and that's taken away from us, that can flip our world upside down. If it's our family, if we put the created over the creator, that's, a, that's another type of uh, worship, type of idolizing something that is not God. Like, we got to understand that, that, Jen, my wife, is a gift. Ashley and Paige, my daughters, they're a gift. 
Um, and to say that they are more than God is, 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 is incorrect. Like, he's the one that made them. I, I wouldn't even know them without him. Again, you want to see what you're slaves to? Find out what if you take it away, if you get angry. If you start asking God why, you will slowly find that you have things in your heart and your life that, that are gods, that are uh, you idolize. Um, th- that's a scary place to be in. And again, if, if people are preying on those things, if they're, they're using those things to, to get you in the door to, to give or do whatever, like those, some th- those are some signs of um, false gospel, false teachers. Uh, 20, it says, If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and again are entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turned their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a soul that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. Here we have a pretty stern warning. If you have been introduced to the gospel, if you have heard it, you have a responsibility on that to take action, to to listen with your ears, um, to see the things that God has created, and and and, and take action. Like this is a, a stern warning here. It says that they would have been better off to never know than than to come. I ask myself. Why would people possibly hear the gospel and then revert back to, as this proverb says, return to its vomit? And, and I got it because I, I don't think they seen their vomit for what it was in the first place. I don't think they seen what the mud was in the first place, with, with the pig wallowing back in the mud. And we have to ask, leading into that, the gospel. What, what is the gospel? What is the good news? And recently watched a program that uh, was very powerful, very in- impactful, um, and, and, and it brought up some, some highlights of that, of, of the gospel. You have to ask if our eyes were opened to the gospel, our eyes were also opened to our ugliness, our past. We've seen who we really are. We've seen probably for the first time, how deep some of our sins go. I know for me, and I still fight with this today, um, the Lord is freeing, of, freeing me of it more and more, but the, uh, the sin he opened me the most to is my selfishness. My, basically what we read about, my, uh, my way of always self-preservation. Um, it's all about Tony. Um, I, I, would, I would step on Jennifer uh, my wife, I would, I would step on my kids, whatever. It was all about Tony. Um, he started showing me that. He started showing me the destructive ways of that. And for him to come and rescue me from that and show me that and then say, I still love you because of that and I'm going to change you, made me look at him in a whole different way. That he seen my ugliness to the point that I didn't even see it and he still chose to, to, to rescue me. So, the gospel, the good news. I think some people hear it and go back to their ways because they don't understand 
truly the ugliness that they live in. They, they only see kind of maybe some of the things that God has, the goodness, but they don't understand the depth of that goodness because they really didn't look at their ugliness in their heart. You see, we've all sinned. We've all sinned against a holy and just God. Um, if you go through the Ten Commandments, you know, you, you can run through them like, we've all lied. Um, we've stole. We've coveted. I know I've put created things over the creator. I've done that. I've told you about, like, I've put my family over God. I've put Tony's, who am I kidding? My, uh, my truck over God in the past. The Lord's name in vain. Basically pretended he wasn't there. Um, vain talks uh, more of like uh, the wind that's, that's here and gone tomorrow, like vain. Like I've pretended God isn't there. I've heard him speak to me and uh, just kept Tony going on with Tony land. Um, I haven't rested in the Lord. I've chose to rest in things that really bring no rest. Um, I've dishonored my parents. Uh, murdered. Bible talks about hating people. I've hated people. I have, I have caused people pain. And, and the other one was lusted. I've done that. Uh, unfortunately, it, it's, it's, it's something that uh, um, just, it's an, it's an ugly thing. Like you go through all these things and you look back and you see that, man, I'm an ugly human being that I need a savior. I need someone to rescue me. We have no excuse. We have no excuse to the righteous God of our actions, of what we did. All we can say is we honestly just chose ourselves. I chose to be my own God for that moment, took my actions and my ways over yours, and says I know better. We've all got skeletons in our closet. God knows all this, and, and he still chooses us, still, still loves us. Now, sin, I was trying to bring up what is, uh, what is sin in, in a way like. So, so sin is definitely something that is not God. Sin, is, uh, sin has nothing, to, uh, no part of God's life. Um, it, it, is, it is everything um, that, that he is not. It is an ugly thing. He can't bear it. He can't stand it. So you and I are, we can't be around him. We're forever lost because of our sin. And I'm trying to think of something that would show the contrast of that. And I worked on this this morning. It didn't go as quite as planned. But I still wanted to show you guys. So I've, I'm sure a lot of you guys knew or know, especially if you've dealt with school and stuff, you know. So this is water. Um, sure like this stuff. I, I definitely drink plenty of it. But this water is a representation of, like, God and who he is. This here is, I enjoy working on cars, for those of you that don't know me. This is some used motor oil. This is a kind of a representation of our sin. Our ugly, black, no good, uh, yeah, it's, it's not nice. We all know that water and oil don't mix. And you can see that. Like, and so this is the representation, like God and sin just don't mix. It's, it's everything he's not. He has nothing to do with it. And you put just a drop, it instantly repels. It, it don't mix. I can put more and more in there, and it don't mix. I 
I can say, well, I, I want I want God, but I still want some of my old life. So I'm going to try really hard to get him to accept all this. Because, honestly, I know, I'm, I, I know what I need and what I don't need. He doesn't quite understand me all the way. So I'll just try really hard. No matter how we try, the two don't mix. They will separate. It's already separating as we see. This is... This is God, his love for us, and this is sin. They cannot mix. They are brought to the surface. It's ugly. It's dark. It's not good. Enter our redemption, the, the plan of Jesus. Now, this is where the experiment didn't go as well. I was going to try to pour more water in there, and the oil comes out, but it didn't work. It, it, it made a mess. But that's the only way we can get rid of this ugliness, is not more of us. We can't go to church more. We can't say, I'll give more. The more we say that things and we push God to the side, really all we're doing is putting more oil in there. We're not putting God in there. The only way to change is more of him and less of us. He's the only thing that can clean us up. The false gospel. The false gospel, another part of it, is any time you put... Jesus plus anything else. Again, I just talked about it. If I go to church enough, if I give enough, you start making the cross and you start making what Jesus did for us less than. You're saying that the power of the cross and Jesus' power is just not quite strong enough to cleanse me, that I need more. And so if you got people that's telling you, well, it's works plus the grace that, that Jesus gives us, it's wrong. Like, it's, it's a step on what he did for us. It's saying that he's really not divine. He's really not all-powerful. He really couldn't accept all the punishment that God had. Like, that's just, it's, it's a very scary place to be in. The other side of this, so I talked about works and that being false. I don't want to go on the other side and say, okay, well, we have grace. And so we can just keep on doing whatever we want to do. You know, we don't have to work for our salvation. It's obvious that Jesus paid the price. But I think I'm just going to cheapen it a little bit, and I can keep on living the life that I live. You don't even understand then what, what really your sin was. The sin don't turn ugly to you if, you if that's the way you look at it. You don't even know what you were saved from. Like, we're transformed in that. Once we see how ugly we are, we see that oil for the first time, and you're like, that's us? And then we see that God still chooses us and saves us? Like, how could you still want to be the oil? How could you still want to go on, keep on sinning, just, uh, God's got this. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. But what are you doing trampling on, on the grace that was given us? You don't understand that, that grace then. The thing that, this is probably the most powerful verse for me in scripture. Um, it's, it was um, something that a man shared with me over and over again. Um, my eyes wouldn't open to it. One day my eyes were finally open to it. And, and I'd like to share that again. Um, if you could, could you go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9? This is what opened my eyes. Um, 
God had been working on me for my whole life, of course. But I was meeting with this gentleman for probably six months or more. And he was beating me over the head with this. Um, I was a very works-based type guy. Um, and I've thought about this a lot. We're, we're, as we grow up, we, we think about this. Like, if you really think about what, as we grow up, you start off in school. In school, if you get good grades, you get something. You leave school, you go to college. If I get good grades, I get this. You go into your job. If I do well in my job, I advance. You're trained all this time. And so that's how I visioned God. If, if I do well for him, I'll excel here. If I do well for him, he'll bless me here. What, what did I just make God? My personal genie in a bottle. I really didn't even care about him. What did I care about? I care about myself. So I had this this whole time, and, and this gentleman that walked with me, I finally, God opened my eyes, and I seen for the first time, which has been there for quite some time, but I didn't, God opened my eyes. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I cannot stand before God and say, I. I done this, I done that. You need to let me in. The only thing I could actually say in front of him that I could boast about, which, oh, I don't want to boast about that, is my sin. I deserve everything but that. I deserve death. I, de I deserve the, the punishment of, of being separated from God, of, of darkness. That's what I deserve. So as you go on in this, be, be very cautious on what people are, are, are preaching. Make sure that it's Christ crucified. It's not Tony crucified. It's not if you do this, you get that. A thing that's been going over lately about keeping me in check. Because I think in some ways heaven can be our, our idol. We really don't care about Jesus. We just care about getting into heaven because we don't want to go to the bad place or the place of hell. Again, that makes it about us. So the question I've been asking myself, would you follow Christ into hell? Would you follow Christ into whatever dark place you can think of? To put that in perspective, so I have a wife that I love very much. Would I follow Jen into a place that she's going to um, get hurt or this, that, and the other? Like, yeah, I have that type of love for her. Like, I want to be with her. I'm going to be there. That's the question to ask. Like, do we pursue this again? Man, we can get so lost in our, in our ugly selfishness ways. I, I do believe sometimes heaven can be an idol. Because, again, it's not about God. It's about us. Um, and, and this is not about us. It, it is not. in closing again heaven or jesus good life or jesus like we need to make sure that we're always choosing jesus if you don't know the jesus of the bible stick around talk to one of us but i encourage you to open this because this is is really what where it all is at if anybody's trying to sell you a bill of goods come to this this will tell you the truth <laughs> praise god that, it, that we have this and, and he's given it to us let's let's pray father we thank you for 
for who you are, for your love for us. Father, as we maybe are looking back into some of our past, Father, that you've opened our eyes to, Lord, that looking back at our ugliness just brings at least me to look at you more clearly. The love that you have for us, Father, it's just it's words that I cannot bring up. The, 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 the humility, the humbleness I have before you. I have nothing to bring before you, Father. Anything good, Father, you've talked in Scripture is like a filthy rag. It's, it, it's ugliness, Father. I thank you, Jesus, for, for your love. I thank you for going to the cross for me, for all of us. And Lord, please just... Uh, Open our eyes and our hearts to, to, to your word, Father.